0: Last week, uh, Tyler started our stewardship uh, sermon series by asking the question, what do you have that you have not received? It's a very interesting question. And, and he encouraged us when we think about that to go back, to trace our blessings back. And we will eventually find God who is the ultimate giver. I love the visual that he gave uh, being someone who who loves and enjoys the mountains and hiking, uh, I love the visual that he gave of the stream and of tracing that stream back to a rock that the water was coming out of, and it gave me the 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 visual of God in the wilderness with the children of Israel, how He provided water out of a rock. God is an abundant giver. And giving is in God's nature. But what happens when we lose sight of that? What happens when greed and fear of scarcity cloud our faith, causing us to abuse and take for granted those wonderful gifts that God has given us? Let us pray. Gracious God and giver, of all things. Thank you for this day you have given us. Thank you for this time that you have given us together. God, open our hearts and minds to your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and speak through me this morning, I pray, and and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture this morning is actually going to come from both the Old and New Testament. Uh, we'll start out in Genesis 3, and then we'll read Mark 6. Uh, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 21. The snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat from it and don't touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, you won't die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious fruit and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then they both clearly saw and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. During the day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? The man replied, I heard your sound in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, The snake tricked me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the snake, Because you did this, you are the one cursed out of all the farm animals, out of all the wild animals. On your belly you will crawl, and dust you will eat every day of your life. I will put contempt between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. They will strike your head, but you will strike their heels." To the woman, he said, I will make your pregnancy very painful. In pain, you will bear children. You will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. To the man, he said, because you listened to your wife's voice and you ate from the tree that I commanded, don't eat from it. Cursed is the fertile land because of you. In pain, you will eat from it every day of your life. Weeds and thistles will grow for you even as you eat the field's plants. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread until you return to the fertile land since from it you were taken you are soil to the soil you will return. The man named his wife Eve because she is the mother of everyone who lives. The Lord God made the man and his wife leather clothes and dressed them. Now from Mark chapter 6 verses 34 or excuse me 35 through 44. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, This is an isolated place, and it's already late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. He replied, You give them something to eat. But they said, Should we go off and buy bread worth almost eight months' pay and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, Five loaves of bread and two fish. He directed the disciples to seat all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the opening chapters of the Bible, we are immediately introduced to a good, gracious, and giving God. God had given Adam and Eve everything they needed. They had a buffet that would put any Methodist potluck to shame. There was no need to argue over the thermostat because the climate was perfect. The dog and cat got along just fine. God provided everything they needed, yet there was something the humans did not have, the knowledge of good and evil, and that was what they were tempted to take. The result was expulsion from the garden, but despite their disobedience, God did not withhold goodness and generosity. God continued providing by giving them clothing and a life outside of the garden. So what happened? Why did Adam and Eve lose sight of all of this that they had? Simply put, there was a perceived lack of something that then generated a perceived need, or, in a word, greed. Adam and Eve saw something they didn't have and decided they had to have it even though God said, you don't need it. We see this all the time today. Our culture is inundated with advertisements showing us things we don't have, telling us that, oh, if we did, our lives would be so much better. Maybe it's not the knowledge of good and evil. Maybe it's a sports drink that will make us perform better or the latest model sports car that goes faster or a college degree that's going to earn us more money. We are told that what we have isn't enough and that we need more. We end up living beyond our means, and before we know it, we find ourselves amassed in debt with stuff we thought we really needed but didn't. It happens when we think what God has given us isn't enough or when we lose sight of who our provider is. We also get another idea implanted in our head too, this idea of scarcity, that there isn't enough to go around for everyone. The first time we see this in scripture is in the story of Joseph. We all know that story, right? Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob, is favored by his father and it causes jealousy among his brothers. They end up selling him into slavery. And long story short, Joseph eventually finds himself second in command over Egypt. It is there that we see the first famine recorded in Scripture. Joseph wisely goes to work stockpiling food before the famine hits. He uses the fear of scarcity to store up as much food as possible to get people through the famine. Now, that was not a bad thing he was preparing however when the famine comes and the people come to him for food instead of freely providing it back to them he sells it to them first for money then when they have no money they have to give him their livestock then when the livestock runs out they give them they give Joseph their land now Joseph, through this fear of scarcity, robbed the people of their possessions and also their dignity and their freedom. Because you see, while Scripture doesn't necessarily condemn Joseph for his actions, as we read later on, we see that this leads to the Israelites being enslaved by the Egyptians for 430 years. From here on, we see scarcity appearing numerous times in Scripture. We see it as the Israelites are leaving Egypt and headed toward the promised land. They're no longer in a country of abundance. They find themselves in a desolate land with little food, yet God is there providing them with food, with manna. They're told only to take what they need for a day. Only go out and get what you need for today. Tomorrow, we'll, there will be more. Yet, they didn't do that. Some felt it necessary to get more because they were afraid they were going to run out. But that excess ends up souring and rotting and becomes of no use. Later on in the book of Joshua, as the Israelites are moving into the, the promised land, they are told, as you take Jericho, you are not to keep any of the possessions of that people for yourselves. You are to give it all to God. But there was one man, Khan, who was tempted to keep some of that spoil. He saw it and he was tempted to keep it because he didn't have, he wanted it, he needed it. The result of this action was a with, uh, God withholding his protection and his blessing on the Israelite army and a defeat of the army by the men of Ai. David's son Solomon, who we typically think of as a you know, wise beyond measure, even he built an empire with walls of fortifications and an army to protect the people. And he even used his own people as slaves to build this empire just to keep people out. Prophet after prophet reminds Israel of how God has blessed them and and condemned them for not providing for the widow and the orphan and the alien while the leaders live in luxury. God promised Abraham that he would bless his descendants, right? So that they could in turn bless other nations. But Israel lost sight of that. And they abused those blessings that God had given them. Fear of scarcity also pervades our country and our world today. We hear it over and over again. Even though we as a nation are extremely blessed with excess. Trillions of dollars were spent in amassing armies, building walls, passing laws, all in the name of keeping it to ourselves because there might not be enough. Not enough jobs, not enough food, not enough money. Yet we have more than enough. Rob Bell lists some staggering statistics in his 2008 book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians. He said, uh, America controls over 30% of the world's wealth, yet it is less than 5% of the world's population. One billion people in the world do not have access to clean water, but the average American uses 400 to 600 liters of water a day. Every second, excuse me, every seven seconds, a child under the age of five dies somewhere in the world from hunger But Americans throw away 14% of the food that we purchase. More than half the world lives on less than $2 a day. But the average American teenager spends nearly $150 a week. Now, these numbers are dated, so I can only imagine it's gotten worse. Scarcity isn't the issue, there's plenty. We just have to avoid the temptation of greed and the fear of scarcity. As Christians, we have been given a different view of the world and the provisions of God. In the scripture we heard from Mark 6, we see Jesus turning greed and scarcity on their heads. Jesus had been teaching a huge crowd for a long time. The disciples said, you know, we've been here long enough. Let's take a break let everybody go get some dinner. Jesus says, you feed them. The disciples immediately say, with what? We don't have enough money. There aren't any restaurants around, and Uber Eats doesn't deliver out here. Jesus asked them, what do you have to give? So they took a quick inventory, and they immediately reported back five loaves and two fishes. Wow, that's not a lot. But without pausing, Jesus instructs the disciples to seat the people as if they were having a banquet, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus provided enough food for everyone to be full. Not that they were satisfied, they were full. And still, they had leftovers enough for 12 baskets, which, if we think about that number, is a reminder to the Israelites that, hey, God is still providing and has been providing for you all this time. Um, Walter Brueggemann highlights this, that the, the people don't grasp, hoard, or act selfishly. They watch as the juices of heaven multiply the bread on earth. Jesus, in these actions, reaffirms Genesis chapter 1. This is the God we serve. God is a generous God, and we are all truly blessed. Fear of scarcity causes us to value stuff over blessing others with what God has given us. It says there's not enough, so someone has to do without. Greed robs us of our time by pushing us to work longer hours so we can get that promotion, so that we can get that better salary, so that we can then get bigger, fancier stuff or hold a fancier job title. It deceives us into thinking that if we only get this new thing, life will be better. But God says differently. God says, I have given you plenty of everything. Now bless others with it. Let us remember that satisfaction in life is found in God, not the things of this world. When Missy and I joined the church a little over a year ago, we said a vow, the same one that millions of Methodists have said before us. We pledged to faithfully participate in the ministries of this church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. We can easily let greed and the fear of scarcity creep into our lives, robbing us of our ability to live up to these vows, or we can choose to trust our good and generous God to provide for us. I would like to close today with A prayer by John Wesley entitled, The Good Steward. Blessed and giving God, since nothing in this life is properly my own, I am not at liberty to use your blessings as I please. You have entrusted me with my soul, my body, my goods, and my talents. You call me to watch over my soul, made in your image to guard my understanding, imagination, memory, will, and affections. You describe my body as the temple of your Holy Spirit. You bless my life with food and clothing, shelter and money. To all of this, you add strength and health, knowledge and learning, influence and time, grace upon grace. You are a generous God who has blessed me in every imaginable way. My stewardship over these riches is a momentary thing. But while some of your blessings are here today and gone tomorrow, others are eternal and forever bear the imprint of my care or my neglect. And so it is important for to ask, do I properly care for my soul? Do I use my body for your glory? Do I share my worldly possessions in just and loving ways? Do I exercise a faithful stewardship of my talents? When I stop in the course of my busy life to reflect on your blessedness, I see how precious all of your gifts are. Help me to use every means possible, therefore, to grow in grace remind me continually that since everything I have or am is a gracious blessing from you, everything I can do for you is simply a mark of my gratitude for your love. Above all, help me to remember that despite all my resolutions, my patience, and my constancy, in the end, it is your grace that is sufficient. Thanks be to God, who is the same God that we see in Genesis 1, March 6, and here today at VCR. Amen.